back to Becoming Your Best Version, a podcast in which I interview amazing, inspiring women whose paths have crossed mine. My name is Maria Leonard Olson. I'm an author, journalist, attorney, radio show host, and podcaster, as you know. And I'm in the Washington, D.C. area. Today, I'm interviewing a friend in the Boston area, Gina Bild. She is an author, educator, thought leader, and speaker on the themes of happiness, living with purpose, and resilience. Her career includes more than four decades in which she held senior leadership positions in healthcare, academia, and government. Most recently, she served for 12 years at Harvard Medical School as Associate Dean and Chief Communications Officer. She's known for being a curator of poetry, meditation enthusiast, lifelong learner, and mother. Her vibrant approach to life blends academic learning with real world experiences. She is co-author with Sanjeev Chopra of the successful book, The Two Most Important Days, How to Find Your Purpose and Live a Happier, Healthier Life, published by St. Martin's Press. She is at work on her next book on the topic of resilience and she blogs for Psychology Today. You can check out twomostimportantdays.com. That's with the number two, mostimportantdays.com for more information. So welcome, Gina. Thank you, Maria. I'm so thrilled to be here and I'm inspired by your book and by who you are and what you're putting out into the world, all the light. So thank you for including me. Oh, well, I'm so happy that we were able to figure out a time and mesh our schedules after a few tries and um, that we cross paths in an unexpected way in a women's group. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I've started your book. I love your book. Can you tell our listeners how that book came into being with Deepak Chopra's doctor brother? Tell us about it. It was really interesting in the sense that you have to go all the way back to when I was a child because I loved the story. And every every night on the eve of my birthday, and I still do this actually, and I did it with my children, I would reflect on the year that had gone before and I would put my thoughts into the world about what I was hoping for in the year to come. And it was just a nice practice because it was a way of, taking photographs of memories that were big as years, as Keats would say, and a way of projecting. Now they would say manifesting, but that word didn't exist when I was 14, 15, and 16 years old in the same way. So on my 16th birthday, I made, created a vision about what I thought my adult life, which felt oh so far away, would look like. And I painted a picture and I was a professional woman and there were books on the shelves that I had written. I was well-traveled and I had all these components. Fast forward many years later, I was working as an associate dean at Harvard and I worked closely with Dr. Sanjeev Chopra, who was one of our 11,000 faculty. And Dr. Chopra just stood out to me because he leads with light and kindness. And I just became very friendly with him. And then our families became friends. 
And one day I was helping him with a project and he said to me, I love the way you write. I would, and he said, he, and he said, I said to him, Sanjeev, you don't need me to write this book. You can write this book. And he said, no, I remember. And I did not remember telling him this. And I tell very few people this because it's not a forefront at the forefront of my memory. I told him, he, I must've told him that when I was 16, I had a vision and I had achieved all that was in my vision as a 16 year old, except writing a book. And he said, I want to make that happen for you, which was just inspiring. And so we talked a lot about happiness as a topic and we both love quotes and I love poetry. So we decided the book would be on happiness. And eventually our editor at Trident, who's just so powerful, Amanda Annis, she helped us morph it toward a living with purpose to just distinguish it. So that's the, that's the long history of how it started. Wow. Well, it is a beautiful book and a gorgeous example of manifestation and I don't know, positive karma. When you put positivity in the world, it comes back to you is my belief. And this book is a through inspirational storytelling, scientific evidence, practical advice, captivating exercises and poetry, Dr. Chopra and you present a powerful message showing us how to achieve happiness no matter what challenges and stumbling blocks we face. It also reveals the best way to be happy. I'm reading the description, discover and live your life's purpose. It's a sure path to human flourishing. In fact, you may be surprised to learn that living with purpose can even add years to your life. The book offers a path to discovering it, happiness and life purpose by illuminating the value of gratitude, forgiveness, meditation, music, friendship, and so much more. It will set you on the right path and spark sustained happiness, joy, and bliss. Wow. 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 I am so happy. I have my copy and uh, I looked, I was reading it somewhere in my house and decided that it was something I wanted to absorb in small pieces, not all at once. So I put it down and couldn't find it to, um, to refer to during this recording, but I will, I will get back to it because I just loved what I saw in the book. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. And it actually helped me morph into the next topic of resilience, which is what I'm working on right now. So it's really fascinating. And I think with the pandemic, there has never been more greater need than for people to find peace and to find joy in life. And so to the degree you with what you do, and I, with what I try to do, can help people find that. That is a gift to put out in the world. Oh, it absolutely is. And to have found a partner with whom you could write and collaborate so beautifully is, I think, probably rare. So tell me about the collaboration. Was it harder to work with someone on this book that you probably had a very good idea what you wanted to include in the book? Well, it's interesting if I can tell you another little side story. So we started meeting every weekend and usually at his house. And then I, I would have dinner. His lovely wife, Amita, would make dinner for us. But we would work all afternoon and we were studying and thinking and discussing. And my role was to create this outline, not the proposal, 
but an outline that I just could not seem to get to it. And my job was quite large. I traveled extensively. I was on call 24 seven. I had a team of 18. It was, it was quite an extraordinary role for one of the biggest brands in the world. And I just wasn't getting to the outline. And one day I met Sanjeev at his house and Amita decided to take a walk and his friend Adrian, who's a coach whom I know was there and they sat me down and they had what I jokingly call a little intervention. And Adrian said, are you afraid of success? And I said, no. And he said, are you afraid you can't write this book? And I was like, no. And he said, well, what's the problem? And I said, have you seen my life? Have you looked at my job? I just, I'm juggling my kids and my life and my travel and all of that. And Adrian suggested I do something that actually changed my life in many ways, not only related to the book, but he said, I want you to start meditating. And I had tried, I had um, tried meditation many times and just did not have a lot of success with it. There was too much noise in my head. And I think I was becoming a human doing rather than a human being with all of the balls that I had in the air. And so he said, I want you to start by running without headphones because I was a runner. And I said, I don't think I can run without headphones. And he said, just try it. And then he said, a couple months later, Amita, who one of her gifts to the world is to teach people mantra meditation and she will formally train you in meditation. I was going on a trip that next week. I ran without headphones. I came home, I wrote the entire outline for the book in a morning. I mean, meditation was a powerful force in my life. And as I continued in January, that was November and January, by March, I was re-examining everything in my life and wound up uprooting big parts of my life. And I always attribute it back to meditation because when your mind is still, you can see very clearly what's important. Yes, I absolutely agree with that. I adopted meditation in my life when I turned 50. And meditation for me can mean a lot of different things. It can mean taking a deep cleansing breath. It can mean um, focusing on my breathing to bring me back to the center. And that is such a gift that that person gave you to be able to be more present. I, I talk about that very thing. We were before the show started, we talked about how much we have in common. And one of those things being, I was such a human doing as opposed to a human being. So I, I am with you. I can completely uh, relate to what you just said. That is, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, I was going to, sorry, I was going to say, to answer your question about writing a book in collaboration, I find it much easier because now I'm working independently and I find a million things get in the way of producing what I need to produce. And so that's really unfortunate. And Sanjeev and I just complimented each other in terms of quotes that we loved and the structure that we wanted. It was really, truly fun. And I remember writing the afterward as the very last piece. And we sat down together at my house and we crafted it. And then we had a toast when the book was completed. And it was really, um, we were so fortunate because I submitted the book, the proposal 
on a Sunday and I said to him, you know, if we don't hear from the agent in New York to try to buy a month, I'll ping them and see what they say. Well, we heard from the head of Trident the next morning and he said he loved the structure and he was assigning a literary agent to us. And she's just fantastic, Amanda Annis. And she helped us tweak it in terms of the living with purpose. And she pitched it in St. Martin's Press picked up on it very immediately. So we were, it was quite remarkable as a process. Wow, that is really lucky. And you also blog for Psychology Today. Can you tell us about your blog? I, yes, I, I have two blogs. So okay. um, my blog on happiness, and I've been doing that for quite a while. And one of the, there were two of the most read blogs one was on fake it till you make it which is a fascinating concept if you're struggling is just to put the energy out there and go through the motions and eventually your mind catches up and so that's that was really interesting that that mm -hmm. article and the one on mary oliver the poet whom i loved and it really didn't quite fit the happiness blog but i'm so passionate about her and i asked my editor at psychology today if i could write about mary oliver and she said of course and it went crazy viral around the time of her death. And then I had asked them if I could blog on resilience. And so I blogged on resilience under my own name. And I just started that last year. And the first article I wrote was how to mend a broken heart. And I can just tell you briefly the story of that, because I think it's, it's, really interesting. So I had this concept and I actually used a pseudonym in the story, but it was me um, who was the person whose heart needed mending. And it was after my marriage of 28 years was ending and it was my choice. I opted for a free fall without a net um, and giving up what most people crave, companionship, trust, security, because of something I had experienced and which is a whole nother story. And I was really in a lot of pain during those early days. And I didn't recognize myself because I, I really think of myself as being quite optimistic and joyful. And I just did not recognize what was in my head. And so I decided I would ask the smartest person I know for help. So I asked Google. I asked, <laughs> I asked Google, how do I mend my broken heart? And Google gave me the best advice. And I put this out there because it applies not only to broken relationships, but to so much grief and loss in your life. Um, it's, it's just wonderful. And Google advised me to first um, write a letter to yourself and write down and mourn all the things that are forever lost and will be no more. Mm. So I made a martini. I sat on my porch one day in that summer of 2015. And I wrote for about an hour and a half and I poured out all the dashed hopes and the expectations mm. and the things that would never be. And I cried and it was exhausting. And then my friend Google, told me to wait a couple of days and to go back and to, again, write a letter to yourself. And in this letter, you start imagining all the doors and windows that are opening and you start envisioning all that's possible. Like 
the new people you might meet and where you might go and potentially having a new chapter, a new love affair, finding love and happiness and friendship and, and getting out of the rut that can go from being in any situation for a long time. And I literally wound up laughing out loud as I was manifesting and writing this down. And I cannot say enough, the article I wrote went viral immediately. Wow. And I just think there's a need for it. So it, it's a just wonderful exercise. Absolutely. And both of your blogs are found on psychology today. Is that right? Right. right. Okay. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you for that. And I saw that one of your blogs or I don't know, I've seen a picture of you with Deepak Chopra mm -hmm. and, and he is, you know, one of the icons in the self-improvement world. What was it like meeting him? And can you share anything you learned from him? Oh, he is just extraordinary, as is Sanjeev. I put them both in a very similar category. They radiate light mm. and there is such goodness to them that you can almost see it. And I have a very broad social circle. I've always had high profile jobs with a lot of people and they both stand out. And Deepak's been extremely generous to us. He wrote the introduction for a book which may be our reprint. So we're hoping our book is almost sold out. And so they were mm. looking as COVID, right around the time COVID launched, if to, re, to do a reprint. And they were wondering if Deepak would write an intro. So he did, and it's just magnificent. So I hope it actually comes to fruition. But he, he's just, he's joyful and wonderful. And he interviewed us after the book came out, but I had met him prior to that. Um, through Sanjeev and Amita, but he, wow. the, the Chopra brothers are quite remarkable. And I will also tell you something about them. They, unlike me, are not procrastinators. <laughs> and when um, I met with my agent in New York in 2020, in January, she said, well, do you think Deepak might be interested in writing this intro? So I called Sanjeev on the way home and he said, ask him. So I wrote to Deepak that night and he got back to me within 12 hours and said, yes. And he said, give me an outline of the kind of things you'd like me to say. And I was going to California and I was gonna do it when I got back. And Sanjeev's like, no, you have to do it now. <laughs> right now. So in California, I found a hotel. I plugged in my laptop. I, I wrote this out. I sent it to him that same day and he got back to me within a day with the most beautifully crafted introduction with just imbued with tremendous wisdom. So that is what I have learned about Sanjeev and Deepak that they, they get things done. Good partner to, to have. <laughs> You're very lucky on that score. So yeah. the, your book, the two most important days, and this is not, I don't think a spoiler uh, is the premise is that the two most important days are the day you were born and the day you find your purpose. So right. what was the day you found your, your purpose? So I think I have always been clear in my purpose. And it was interesting when I had to write it for the book because Sanjeev and I had to commit ourselves to our purpose mm -hmm. and it just 
explode. And, you know, mine is not grand. My purpose is to be attentive, to pay attention and to use the light that is my life because we all have light and to use that to make other people's lives better. So in my work, I have always gravitated toward work that grounds me in purpose. I worked in government because I believe passionately in making the world a better place. I worked in the cancer world for 10 years at the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute as I had applications and at the Massachusetts General Hospital Cancer Center. And I'm on a board right now for LFS, which is the first genetic um, predisposition to cancer gene that had been found. And I just believe that's really important. And at Harvard, I really believed the world was going to be better because of the brilliant minds that were pushing awareness of, you know, treatments and cures for the mm. human condition. Absolutely. I share that belief, definitely. And the question that I, I like to ask all of our guests, because the answer differs, is what do you do to become your best version? Hmm, let me think. Um, you know, one of the things that, and this is in my book, but it was rather interesting from when I was a child, before I would fall asleep because we didn't have phones and TVs in our bedroom, I would, as a child, I would replay happy memories from the day. It was just a habit I was in. Nobody said it to me. It was just, I would think about some joyful things and I would play them like videotapes. And years later, I was sitting at my desk at Harvard and a research study came through one of the publications and it said, that they've done social studies and people who live be memory are happier and joyful. And I just thought that was, was really interesting that something I had done always was something later they found there was research to support that. Um, I read poetry. Mm -hmm. I share po poetry for 24 years. I have been curating poetry. Thankfully, I don't write it myself because I only <laughs> write when my heart is broken. But I have been sharing poetry a poem through the month of January for 24 years um, to a list of mailing lists that I don't even know who's on it anymore. It's international and there are published poets on it and people recommend people and I have a mail, a mail service and I spend the month of January knee deep in my poetry books which is so joyful because it's like a shortcut to good literature, right? It's just, yeah. it's so beautiful. And I think I've always had a gratitude practice mm -hmm. always. And at one point when I was struggling with the gratitude practice, I had an agreement with my girlfriend who lives in Iowa city, Debbie Galbraith. And she and I would send each other three gratitudes every day as a way to hold our feet to the fire. So it was a way of, of making sure we were we were doing that. Wow. Well, those are three really useful tips for mm. anyone to become their best version. And I think that your first tip is akin to having affirmations because I really believe that that which we focus on becomes magnified in our lives. And you have just expressed three very positive, positivity-inducing activities 
that undoubtedly will keep the neurons firing in one's brain towards positivity. So I, I thank you for sharing that with us. And I thank you for being on the show and sharing your light with our listeners. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Maria. Keep doing what you're doing because the world needs more of this. Thank you. And again, check the show notes and check out Gina's last book and her upcoming book. Can't wait to read more about resiliency. So join us again next week. Thanks again.